Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, today we're kicking off the show with a little uh, basketball. Craig Bowlerjack, Joe Ingles. But first we're going to start you off with a little golf. Uh, we had Matt Kammeyer on. He is the director of golf for Salt Lake City Golf. And they've opened the courses. Now, we had him on yesterday's show, but we wanted to play it for you, the early risers, especially if there's some golfers out there. What's going on at Salt Lake City? They closed them, then they opened them again. Why change your mind? Well, as he'll explain, it isn't so much changing your mind. There was a key piece of technology they needed. Uh, he also goes into, it's going to work differently at golf courses, both before you get to the course and once you get to the course, and then once you're playing the round. And Matt will explain all of those changes, but it will be golf nonetheless, and it's available now. Now, he's going to reference the weather, and that's a day old, so ignore that. But all, everything else stands up. Here's Matt Kammeyer, Director of Golf from Salt Lake City Golf with DJ and PK on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. We're joined now by Matt Kammeyer, Director of Golf, Salt Lake City Golf. Matt, good morning. Good morning. So, you having fun? Um, been busy. We'll say that. Um, <laughs> okay. I wouldn't call this fun. But. Yeah, I think that's well put. So uh, I think everyone's curious. The decision to shut down, the decision to open some of the courses again, what went into to both of those? Well, our, our main our main concern is obviously the safety of our customers, the community, and, and also our employees. So we took a look at what was going on, what were the recommendations, and, and could we deliver upon the level of safety that we needed to. So we took kind of a bit of a break about a week to, to reevaluate our offerings and what's what's the best thing for us to do and decided that, you know, we, we could still operate um, within the guidelines that have been set. So we, we've issued a, a list of restrictions, uh, put those on our website, and uh, we're going to open up for play today, um, although it's not a very good day today. But um, we again, we the biggest restriction is uh, all of our times are prepaid. So if you want to be able to book a time, you do that online at slcgolf.com. Uh, you also pay for it at that time. You show up to the course, the pro shop will be closed. We'll call you to the tee, and uh, you'll get out and play. Have you found that in this situation that golf has become a little bit of a respite? Because just about everything else we're not able to do. I think so. And, and the game of golf lends itself very well to social distancing once you're out on the course. So our, our main our main focus was to to limit that customer transaction um, at the point of sale. So we've, we've been able to do that uh, through a new software system that we we've recently implemented. So um, again, it's it's good to be outside. Uh, it's good to be in the sunshine. It's it's good for our minds and to be able to kind of get a distraction from everything that's going on. And, and we obviously wouldn't do this if we didn't feel it, that it would be safe. So obviously, no food, no pro shop. Uh, what about uh, carts, pull carts, that kind of stuff? Anything else when people show up? How will it be different? Yeah, no, no carts, no pull carts, uh, no ball washers, um, no sand rakes. Uh, anything that you might touch, uh, flag sticks. We we've altered the holes, so there's no you don't need to touch the flag stick. Um, you know, we're, we're requesting that everyone you know maintain social distancing when they're on the course, um, in the parking lot. Um, 
the uh, on-course restrooms are also closed or locked. Um, the clubhouse restrooms are open, but we do encourage people to plan ahead um, and, and only use those in, in case of an emergency. So I was there uh, a week before last over at Bonneville, and you have the the cups for the pin for the hold the hole they're they're raised up a couple inches what's been the feedback on that um i've I've heard a lot of different things uh some people don't mind that they like that it actually helps them feel like they made the putt if they just hit the hit the lip of the cup Uh, some of our other courses have have worked with putting some foam in the in the bottom of the cup so it, it raises it up so it's easier to get the ball out um some courses have flipped the cup upside down so it it kind of bounces off um, I've, I've heard a lot of different feedback, so we're kind of playing around with that to see what, what customers like best. So uh, how do people, if they want to book a time online, where do they go? What do they need to do? Got to have a credit card, obviously, I guess, when you, uh, when you log on. Exactly. So they need to go to slcgolf.com. And once there, there are instructions on how to create a profile, customer profile. Once you've done that, then you can select a course where you want to book a time, select your time, the number of players, and then at that point, you'll be asked to pay. So you'll, if you're booking a, a group of four, you'll be required to pay for, for all four. Um, so what that player would need to do is kind of square up with his buddies, um, you know, Ben Moe or whatnot. But uh, depending on the number of players that, you, that you're booking for, uh, that's who you're paying for. So this is uh, Glendale, Rose Park, Nibley and Forestdale, and Bonneville, but not Mountain Dell, right? That's right. Mountain still uh, still has some snow up there. It's, uh, it's we're probably about another week or two away from opening the lake course. All right. Anything else people need to know to uh, how to support the co- courses and uh, get out there and play some golf? Yeah, I think the best way to support what we're doing is to kind of comply with the guidelines. The best way to do that is is to apply all the social distancing rules. Um, when you get to the course, make sure that you spread out. We you know we'll provide. You know, there's area there on the practice green. Um, we're, we're asking that, that players get there 20 minutes before their time to be ready to report to the tee within five minutes before that, and we'll just call them to the tee uh, from from the loudspeaker there. And so uh, I think if everybody kind of cooperates and, and maintains that, you know, I think this is a good option for people to still be able to kind of uh, be active, be on the sunshine, you know, um, and, and kind of take their mind off uh, some of the craziness that's going on. I'm sure you don't want to speak for anybody else, but I'm sure also that the world of golf is pretty small, so people have an idea. Do you think other people around the state are going through a similar process? And, uh, you know, based on their own timelines, we might hear something like this. Because people listening to this are, you know, uh, online, you can listen all over the place. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, it's really dependent upon your their ability to you know to do the the, the kind of the uh, online prepayments. So some courses have that ability, others don't. Um, we were already in the process to switch over to that anyway, so the timing of this worked out at least good. So we were able to do that you know beginning today. Um, but still, there's we're all trying to comply with whatever whatever guidelines to the county um, or the city that we that we're operating within. And the conversations that I have, I think most operators would like to be able to offer this to, to, to customers, but um, you have to ask yourself, can we, can we deliver on what we need to? And, and that was the biggest conversation that we've had over the last week and a half. And that's why we kind of hit the pause button for a little bit to say, okay, what do we need to do in order to be responsible, but still be able to provide that what we think is a, is a, is a needed uh, amenity to the community? 
Well, Matt, we appreciate a few minutes of your time, and I know a lot of golfers right now are listening to this, appreciating that the courses are going to be open. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. There's Matt Kammeyer, Director of Golf, Salt Lake City Golf, joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So be ready to pay online. Be there early. Don't go in the clubhouse. Don't go in the pro shop. And uh, and you don't pull the ball out of the hole. And there won't be any rakes out there. And you're going to have to walk and carry your bag. Unless you got your own pull cart. I guess if you've got your own pull cart, you're good to go. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, talking NBA with Craig Bullerjack. Joe Ingles coming up after that. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, we are joined now by Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Bowler joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Bowler, good morning. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing well. You know, Bowler, one thing I always think about you and, and guys like David Locke and, and you know the analysts you guys work with is, you're in the arena a long time before the game starts, and you see a lot of the same people, and you know people on other clubs, and there's familiar faces, and you just talk about stuff that's going on. And it's not really newsworthy at the time, but when you look back, sometimes it is newsworthy because it's a foreshadowing of what really is kind of evolving inside the business. And so now as people talk about the NBA finishing up in the summer, maybe so late, that pushes the start of the next season back a month or two. Suddenly, there's a December to July or August calendar there, and if it works, it takes them away from the NFL. Presumably, it gives them a chance to make more money and not compete head-to-head with the NFL in so many markets. Is this something that, you know, three years ago, someone was thinking about an arena and just killing time at 5.30 before a 7 o'clock game or 4.40 before a 7 o'clock game? Is this something you've heard of, or is this really a recent development? I think it's really more of a recent development, you know, because of the circumstances. I mean, I think there's always conversations of uh, what ifs and what do you think of this idea? I mean, I think everybody kind of noodles around all sorts of different things. But, you know, last uh, just months ago before uh, the coronavirus, you know, the talk was about make, you know, maybe the thought of doing midseason tournament type, you know, uh, scenarios. Uh, that was intriguing. And now you have to start thinking about if we do play sometime later on in the summer or early fall, how does that impact the beginning of next season? So, you know, I think we just have to wait, obviously, until uh, we see the curve of this virus turn downward and we get a, a, a long period of, of flat you know, time. And I think health, again, comes into the most important play, uh, you know, through this whole equation of what what the NBA and the NFL and Major League Baseball will do, it's uh, it's kind of a day by day scenario, no doubt. 
So many folks, you know, you reach whatever level you reach in your particular field, whatever that might be, and you got there because of your diligence. You put in the time as you're growing up, and then you get the job. You put in the time. You get improvements <clears throat> and promotions. You put in the time. So my point for you is you know, these coaches and these folks, so many of them that are involved now because staffs are huge compared to where they used to be, they're used to putting in the time. It's just in their DNA. You know, they wouldn't know what to do with themselves if they didn't have their jobs at hand. They, you know, you get vacation, but now's not the time you'd be, be, be vacationing anyway. So I'm wondering, because they don't necessarily know what to do with themselves now, what do you hear that the coaches are doing with themselves? Because I'm sure they just don't want to be wasting time here. You know, I got a really good answer to that, and I found out yesterday uh, during our pregame that we're doing prior to Jazz playback, we actually had Donovan on. And Matt asked him that same question, and the three of us had a really fun conversation. It was good to see Donovan, by the way, via Skype, Zoom. And, you know, he actually has been talking to coaches strength and conditioning conditioning coaches because those guys will really play a big factor in how these all these players um, try to at least stay in some shape and then of course when they get back on the floor how long will it take for the players or the league to get back into playing shape and that's a concern obviously because you don't want to have to deal with injury after all this but uh, Donovan is in, I, from what I understood, you know, he's in contact with the, the strength and conditioning coaches. I think they've mapped out uh, regiments for the players, as he mentioned to us, uh, to just, you know, try to stay in shape, uh, eat the right foods. The Jazz are very particular. All NBA teams are on calorie intake. You see that when we travel and fly. And, of course, at the Zions Bank basketball campus, you know, uh, special foods are made for athletes now to burn certain calories, and it's it's a science, guys. It really is, and so this is probably one of the biggest tests uh, that all the NBA trainers uh, and coaches uh, are under undergoing, trying to stay in contact with their players and making sure they continue to try to stay in some sort of you know formidable shape. Because you never know, you know, you, you want to try to build up to the return when that happens it will one day but when that is i don't know so it's kind of just a hit and miss i believe but donovan was i think really upbeat you know, he's trying to you know hit the treadmill and just trying to do things that would keep him in better shape than me i know i know that so uh and all of us but i think it's just a science that is being tested right now and uh i think the players are are very much in contact uh, with their coaches and training staff on a daily or, or weekly basis. I assume that most of the coaches and staffs, most teams know, you know one or two, and they brought out maybe three or four, but probably one or two teams are going to play in the first round of the playoffs. And now mm-hmm. they've got time to study those two in depth on film and maybe even look at that third and fourth team just in case something crazy happens in places where the race is really congested. I assume coaches are uh, are deep in film trying to get an edge for the playoff series that aren't that far away whenever they start playing again. Right. You know, the Jazz uh, had 18, I believe, 18 to play, and that was uh, the Oklahoma City game. And strangely enough, the 4-5, if that's where 
the NBA would decide to pick up the season just in the postseason play, then that's your first round opponent would be a a home uh, and away series uh, with a home court advantage of the Jazz in round one as the four and five. Now if they you know decide to trim away some of the non-division games down the stretch, then maybe you get a 10-game uh, season into the playoffs. You never know. I'm sure there's multiple models that the NBA front office is discussing and continue to, to plot. But again, I think it changes on a daily basis as long as uh, the virus is, is where it is today. I mean, New York is the hot spot, and that's where you hope that things start to settle down sooner than later. And, uh, again, I think there's multiple scenarios, but really you can't pin anything until, uh, until things get much, much better. I'm fine with whatever they decide. I really don't care as long as it comes back in some form, even if it's a modified form. But what do you think right. about these rumors we're hearing about getting everybody in Vegas and doing it that way? Man, PK, that's another interesting one. You know, everyone has theories, and I've heard multiple ones, and that's the biggest one is to say, let's. I'm not so sure if you want to put everybody into one place when you've been preaching, you know, that to, to have proximity and and give people space. That's and, and it sounds pretty like a big undertaking, but also though, I will say this in the broadcast sense: if there's just one building. And you just had one broadcast, basically. Now you can play in two buildings, the Cox Pavilion and, and Thomas and Mac. I'm not sure if that's if, if that's the scenario, but you could probably, like Summer League, bounce those games and get quite a few games played, whether it's noon, two, you know, four, six, whatever you do, um, and how you play them. But it's intriguing. I'm not sure if it's it's something that you want to do, but again. Uh, leave it up to the experts, I guess, when they decide to make the call. Yeah, I've also uh, heard speculation that they could use other courts and rent out the whole MGM or the whole Orleans or something. Yeah, true. And so you could have four games going on at a time, so you could play eight or 12 games in a day if you chose. So it seems like the options are out there. You know, the one thing I read was that it went largely unnoticed but that in the um, state of the league, state of the sport address, the commissioner does, that Adam Silver mentioned the coronavirus in passing in his All-Star Week remarks. And so when I hear that, that's a little hint about how many things they're thinking about. You know, they've obviously got ties with China, and they heard what was happening in China, so they're working on stuff all the time. Now, in retrospect, maybe it should have been story number one at the All-Star break, but it wasn't. And it only got mentioned afterwards, but one of the reporters who was there went up and and dug it up and and mentioned it a couple weeks ago. So I guess that kind of goes to the point of how many things the league office is juggling all at once. Oh, yeah, it's, I, I can't imagine, uh, again, the scenarios and the day, daily briefings that they get. Uh, and again, knowing that the NBA was impacted to such a high degree and then other you know leagues followed, I mean, they're kind of maybe in their own minds in the forefront of just the, the whole process uh, of, of where we go from here. So maybe in, in that regard, Adam Silver is the leader and, and the uh, the return to, to major professional sports in, in many ways. So, you know, I it's I don't know if, you know, you can go back and, and look at it, and even though Commissioner Silver said and mentioned it, as you mentioned, during the All-Star break, that was, it, it happened so quickly, 
too. I mean, we heard about it, and there was some, you know, we remember we discussed this prior to uh, to the shutdown, you know, about maybe playing in front of empty arenas, and that would be one way to protect, you know, the players and, and maybe get through the scenario, but then it just escalated to such a high degree, and here we are today. Uh, I think it just it just was like a wave. It rolled through, and all the scenarios that were just, were discussed never came to fruition because it just it just happened, guys, so fast. And here we are today. It's hard to believe we're in Oklahoma City uh, three weeks ago yesterday, and it feels like six weeks. It really has the month the month of March. If, I don't know how you guys felt. But for me, that was one of the longest months of my life, uh, just waiting and waiting. And here we are in April now. And instead of talking about potential playoff pairings, we're all in this waiting mode. And I know it frustrates a lot of people. So obviously this situation is far more serious than the lockouts that they've had over the years. Absolutely. In terms of, yeah, no, there's no question about it. But in terms of restarting the league, whenever that might be, how much do you think that the experience of having the lockouts can benefit the league to be able to go at a fairly quick basis because they basically already had that, this is being a much more serious than a lockout, but they've gone yeah, that's, through that's, starting it up again when they didn't know yeah, when it was Yeah, that's a good point. Up. Yeah, you know, they do have experience on how to restart, right? So uh, that's one model they have to reach back at and potentially – pitch to the owners and the players association and say look here's what we like to do and i'm sure the players association will be very involved as they always are and making to protect the players but also giving you know the, the guys time to get back on the floor uh remesh uh, i think most of these guys obviously are true professionals and uh, health on their side hopefully they can adjust fairly quickly uh but i think again though the caution this time pk i think will be a little higher just because of the circumstance right i mean yeah virus is probably that's a scary word and obviously you know we know how uh devastating it's been uh but i think it's all fluid uh, and until they get on the floor what they need to actually legitimately be back in playing shape and you don't want a series of hamstrings and quads and ankles and Achilles and all those things have got to be a major concern, too, and making sure they, they kind of work themselves back into that, that level. So, man, it's that those are all great questions. And, again, I'm sure the computer models are, are, are hard at work trying to figure that out because, as you know, guys, we're in a world of stats and feeding numbers and getting computer readouts on what, you know, how the body's going to react. But I think, too, you have to, there's still the, the human factor here. How do you feel? <clears throat> Are you ready to go? And you have to trust yourself, too. And, you're, and I think no one knows their body better than the athlete. No one knows their body better than you and I of how we're feeling. And I think that has to come into play and in part of the equation, too. Bowler, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys, I know Joe's coming on. Uh, here's a sad uh, thing, but I'm starting to drink coffee. I, I don't know what's going on here. I, um, <laughs> I've never drank coffee before, but Joe's got me kind of intrigued about it, so I'm, I'm trying it out. But that's the Joe Ingles factor, one, the fun fact of the day. There's Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Jazz. Joe Ingles listening to the coffee remarks. Joe Ingles on that and National Autism Day. That's next. Stay with us. 
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yesterday was World Autism Day, the 13th annual World Autism Day. Perfect day to have Joe on the show, although we normally have him on Thursdays anyway. We like to replay him for you, the early risers here on Friday. Here's Joe Ingles with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Hey, yeah! This is The Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic... And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. (coughs) With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Joe, good morning. Good morning. So you've done it. You've broken Buller Jack down. You're getting him to try coffee. I just heard that. I'm surprised with how old he is and how uh, often and how long he's done that broadcast. He... I, I know he's been... I know he's had some late nights and some early mornings. I'm surprised he hasn't got on the coffee bandwagon earlier. (laughs) Who knew? Maybe now it took all this situation to do that. And you've been a big advocate of coffee yourself. Is that something that is unique to you, or is it more of an Australian thing? Um, I think the culture, like kind of the, um, I guess like the cafe scene in Australia is, probably one of the one of my favorite things about Australia the food and the cafes and the coffee and um, a bit of I guess the culture of sit, like when you go and catch up with people it's like let's go get a coffee you go and sit at a cafe and people lots of people drink obviously teas and whatever too but like coffee and I know a lot of my good friends or probably all of them are all pretty big coffee drinkers too and um, I mean the coffee's great in Australia um, so it's an easy thing to you can nearly go to any corner and there's a, a little cafe and every kind of suburb or area that you live in has them on the on their corners, these tiny little, sometimes they're like houses converted into little cafes and um, yeah, I mean, I started at a young age and went to Europe when I was young and coffee in Europe is, is obviously a pretty big thing too, so um, yeah, it's a, it's a um, pretty important part of my life. <laughs> So you say the coffee's good in Australia. That left me thinking you think it doesn't quite match up in the U.S. But the U.S. is a big place, and you travel all over for the NBA, obviously. So how does the coffee compare here, especially in a place like Seattle that's got a rep for it, or Salt Lake or wherever else? There's some, there's some really, really, really good spots in America. I think um, I think you get, a, <laughs> you get good coffee depending on, or, or the bad coffee depending on where you go. If you go to 
one of those kind of typical like American diners, and they just like slop that. Like, you want some more coffee and slops and like disgusting like preheat. That that stuff's not good, but like Utah's got Campos and Public, which are both unbelievable. Um, there's a place in San Francisco that I love that we stay right right near a tiny little place, like a little like literally like a window in the wall that you wouldn't even notice it. So it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely, you can definitely get good good coffee here. It's just you have to know where to go. But on the flip side of that, a lot of people like drinking that coffee from a diner. So if that's your thing, then go and go to Denny's and enjoy it. But I'm going uh, to stick to Campos. So do I sense in the coming years we're going to have an Ingalls Coffee Cafe in Melbourne? Um, it's funny, so like we've, we've me and Renee, Renee's a, a, a coffee drinker too, and like I said, that scene in Australia of, of meeting your friends and sitting outside, and um, 90, 90% of them have really good food as well, you can get a nice healthy sandwich or meal or whatever, and um, it's always something we've, we've talked about, and um, like I said, it's something that we, or obviously we both really enjoy, so it's... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we went down that path one day and decided to do it, but we also would never do it without living close to wherever and we wanted to open it because we would want to be hands-on and actually kind of have a part of, of running it. So we've talked about it for, for years. It's, and the other thing is a gym, which obviously Renee, with um, she's got all her courses and certificates in personal training and um She's got a degree and, and everything, so um, that's the other thing we've we've tossed up um, what we would do or potentially open. Joe Ingles joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Today is World Autism Awareness Day. It's the 13th annual World Autism Awareness Day. Uh, I, I'm curious, you know, what what would this have meant to you, say, five years ago, and, and what does it mean to you now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously changed pretty significantly. I, um, the last couple of years of, of obviously finding out Jacob's diagnosis. And, um, it's funny because even with the jazz and playing the, the autism game, we've done that for a few years. And um, you obviously have, you, you, you know how meaningful it is to, to, to people and, and obviously to families and people that are really close to, to autism. But... Um, so I would always play the game and obviously enjoy it and you'd talk to the kids and you'd try and do um, whatever you could. But obviously then once you get touched by it, 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 it kind of opens up a whole new door to, to what you want to do and how you want to help. And um, Like you said, kind of when Jacob found out, like we've always known people with autism, we've, we've known people personally, we've seen kids, we've seen adults, you've seen, you see it a lot, it's obviously so common. Um, but you try and help them and you kind of just move on with your day. And like I said, when you, you're touched with it uh, by, uh, immediately kind of to your family or someone you know close, um, that door just opens up. And I mean, since we found out, it's, it's been our, um, our goal to, to push the, the awareness and the acceptance. And um, that's what we're all about. We're, we're, we obviously, first and foremost, make sure Jacob and, and Miller are, are okay and, and Jacob's got what he needs to do and therapy-wise, he's in the right places and then everything else is about the, the awareness and acceptance and 
um, obviously it's Autism Awareness um, Day today, but it's also throughout April is, is Autism Awareness Month. So um, I tweeted it last night that I'm going to be absolutely flooding my timelines with other people's. I think it's so important for other people to be able to get their stories out. I'm very lucky with the platform that I've got that, I, that, that people listen to me, as silly as it might be sometimes. Um, but I can say what I want and people are going to respond. So my my goal this month and, and obviously moving forward is to, to really help these other people get their stories out there um, that feel comfortable sharing them. Yeah, autism, autism to me, if you know anybody who has it, and I have a friend who has a son and he's pushing his teenage years and has yet to speak, it's always been the most mysterious, intriguing thing because you have a kid and you think the kid is normal and then you compare the kid to uh, activities that they should be doing given a certain age and then you had it where it's extremely unique in that you literally can compare every day in your own home because it was the a twin situation yeah. and then you figure it out and you get the diagnosis and you uh, went through all that and then you put the child in rehab and then I follow your social media stuff and you say that the child has been making great progress with this rehab and this rehab has really been intriguing to me how some kids respond to it in, in one way and other kids respond to it in different ways in terms of your son what has been going on literally with this rehab or, or ther- not rehab maybe therapy is the better word yeah I was going to change that at the yeah. end of the year. I was going to let you finish yeah. your question but <laughs> yeah <laughs> he does a bad word <laughs> <laughs> I got going there and I got a little, <laughs> little out of control but the no, therapy is so interesting to me and how kids respond to it and why has the therapy been so successful for your son yeah, um, it's a great question and, and something that we get asked all the time because obviously we're, we're very public with with Jacob and how he's going and, and Renee, if people, the people that follow Renee, Renee's probably even more kind of open than I am with the good days and the bad days and um, what she does on a day-to-day basis to not only Jacob but also Miller. and um, I, I guess the... The, the hard part is that, um, and someone wrote it to me this morning, um, they were preparing to, to tell their family and friends today about their daughter. They've never told anyone. And, um, he was asking me, he, he wrote a, a story out or a thing he was going to post and asked me to comment on it. And I was reading this thing. And the, the hardest part is every kid is so different and every kid is going to respond differently to different things. And we tried we did and we started with that therapy at home for Jacob um, and it was no good he, we thought he was doing alright in it and um, it was a, it was right after we found out and it was the first thing we could get him into so we're like let's just get him into something and he could start um, by the time we went back to Australia that summer he was going to a therapy like a, an actual school uh, where Everyone, you drop your kid off like a, a regular school and you see them later that day. So that worked a lot better for him. Um, so obviously as soon as we moved back here, we put him into to a, a school. So we drop him like we do Miller and we pick him up at, in the afternoon. And it, it takes time. Once you, it, It's such a weird process because you get told this diagnosis and, and obviously your world at the time is kind of flipped upside down. And, you're reading all this stuff on the internet, listening to other people, and um, 
I think the listening to other people is is really good. I think you're not getting, like I said, every kid is different, but everyone's tried everything. Like people are going to give you their what what has worked and what hasn't. And, yeah, it's up to you. We we filter through things that people have have told us to do and what's worked for their kid. And it's not about shutting it off and saying my kid's different or there's no way Jacob's going to respond to that. But you you filter through these things and you you pick and choose what you think. You, you know your kid better than anyone. You, you pick and choose and filter through what you think might work for your child. And we've had some things from like random people and from people we know that some of these things have changed Jacob's life. Um, and we're like I said, we're kind of two years in now, and um, Jacob is like it's just unbelievable. Like he, everything his mum like asking us questions and using our names and asking for help. And his therapy now is um, like animal now, animal sounds and colours, and just just from six months ago, it's, he's a he's a completely different child in terms of of his understanding and knowledge. And I think. You, you've as hard as it is at the start. You've you've really got to lock in, and I'm lucky that oh, obviously with the season going on, when we found out Renee was it was unbelievable, and um, just finding out every option you can possibly do, and then obviously, like I said, you know your child better than anyone. You you put him into whatever you think is going to be the best for them, and if it doesn't work, you try something else. It's it's a bit of a game of of trying to figure it out, and when you do. Um, you find you find your kids um, changing for for obviously for for the better for themselves so quickly. So I'm curious because just in the last 24 hours, I've seen so much directed to you at you at Twitter on Twitter, and I'm sure that you have letters written to you, and people stop you when you're around town doing whatever you're doing. And so, yeah. do you find this uh, energizing that you're helping people with this issue? Does it sometimes wear on you and it's fatiguing, and you gotta step back and just, you know, take a deep breath and let it go for a little while? Or is it a combination of both, depending on the week and who you're running into and what yeah. their stories are? No, it's it's definitely way, way, way more energizing and good than 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 the weight on my shoulders or anything. I think when we 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 like no one will ever understand how how heavily we debated whether we go public with it or not or we deal with it as a family and um the the reason we went public was for that reason you said is is to help other people and um like I said without platforms to be able to give people a voice and um the awareness and the acceptance and and all of that is is why we did it and I guess like you said it's a bit of a responsibility because you have all these followers on social media and they, they ask you questions about it. And I'm definitely nowhere near as good as Renee at, at kind of responding and, and, and I guess trying to help as many people, but I do when I can. And um, obviously this month, like I've said on, on Twitter last night, like I'm going to really, really push it out there. And um, we're, we're just lucky that we're in a position to do that. I think the part that, that is the hardest part is when, you're dealing with and you're your own like for us Jacob's having a rough day or a rough week at school or um, even at home with, with Miller and trying to incorporate and that for, for her to understand what, what like she, she'll run around and like scream and play and the, the, the screaming for Jacob is something that really affects him and he'll get really mad and then they start fighting and it's, and it's not just Jacob understanding but also I was explaining to Miller that like hey when you're playing with him you just she gets so excited 
um, you just got to keep the volume down a little bit. And it's hard for a, a three-year-old sister that wants to just play with her brother to, to understand that sometimes. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I mean, we love helping people. There's, it's unbelievable how, like, like I've missed pre-game shooting um, sometimes because someone has come from the crowd and said their son or daughter's autistic and I've sat on the sideline and, and spoke to them for 20 minutes instead of shooting, which Quinn would hate to, to hear that, but uh, it's, it's something that, that really energizes me. And um, like I said, that's what we why we came public in the first place was was not for us. We're, we're, we're very lucky financially and the position we're in to, to do whatever we need for Jacob. And um, the reason we came out public was, was to help other people. So we know you spoke about potentially having a, a coffee cafe and a gym because of your wife. Something that we might see some form of Engel's Autism Center in years to come. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been thrown around, and um, we're, we're very lucky with the charity we're we're partnered with. It's four ASD kids in Australia, and what they do for for other other kids and families with with funding. Um, at the moment, we fund schools to get more kids in, um, or, or people can um, kind of write their own stories, and, and some families can get sponsored kind of individually if they're in, in a position to. Um, and then just recently, we joined the board of Culture City, um, who make arenas and venues sensory inclusive for everyone. So that's either with sensory rooms or training the staff that work there to be more capable I guess of, of helping a kid or a family um, with special needs if, if they're in the position so Culture City's got 90% of the NBA teams on board and um, I don't want to ruin anything but I think there might be a little announcement coming today um, so we're on those two boards and, and seeing that stuff happen daily and being in these group emails and it's definitely something we've we've talked about and like I said, financially before, we're we're very lucky that we can we can do that for Jacob and put him in whatever we need. There's so many families out there that, that aren't in that position, and one of our goals is is like you said, is to somehow and we've done so much research, and there will be plenty more to be done of of how we can open something that's affordable for like like what it is for a regular uh, regular school fees. We pay ten. 15 times more a year than we do for, for Miller School. Um, so trying to make it more affordable and um, there's definitely a, long, a long-term goal because it's, it's something that really has to be worked through with governments and, and all that, but it's definitely a goal of ours is to, to make this more affordable for, for the, the people that, that can't afford to do it. It's uh, Autism Awareness Day, the 13th annual Autism Awareness Day, and Joe, we hear my, if we hear your answers, we get an idea of how much time and energy you're putting into this and, and how it makes you feel as you see the results. And I'm curious, we've seen your teammates, at least publicly, who knows what they're doing privately, but at least publicly we've seen some of your teammates start to take steps, and, you know, and they're younger than you and they're in a different point in their life and all that, but start to take steps. Do you ever talk to them and encourage them to do stuff because of the positive impact it's having on you, or is that kind of a, a no-go area between teammates? No, definitely. It's something that we, um, we I mean, we're, we're, I mean, you guys all know, and the Jazz fans know how lucky this, this can 
communities, I guess, to have such a, an unbelievable team. And, and I don't mean that in, in a basketball sense because basketball is basketball and that's that's great. But the guy like what Rudy does with his foundation, Donovan with his donations that he's made, I don't think he's got a foundation or anything charity-wise that he's doing, but he, he donates an unbelievable amount of stuff to, to kids and families. And obviously, he's recently just done the... Um, stuff for, for school kids that are missing out on lunches and stuff and um, we, we've got so many I could go through probably every player but those obviously are our two best players so they come to mind pretty quickly and um, what Ricky was doing it's just a it, we're so lucky to be to have the guys that we've had that, that are so good in the community and, and want to help it's it's it takes away all basketball egos and Put you right back, kind of to when you were a kid. If you were affected by something or your family, you would have loved to be able to get some support or, or assistance if you needed. And we're we're lucky we've got guys like that. We we talk about all the time. Obviously, we all support each other's um, kind of endeavours of what what they're doing. The guy, obviously, with with me, the guys have worn shoes before, and um, they're unbelievably supportive of, of Jacob and our family and what we do. And um, I mean the no one will ever see kind of behind the scenes of when I was actually going through the, the diagnosis process of, of the guys having my back and the coaching staff and I've, I've obviously said it about the, the jazz organisation so um, yeah I think the, the jazz community is, is very lucky of, of the guys they've got and um, yeah it's a, it's a special time and obviously a special group um, that, that's so committed to doing that so that announcement you were uh, referred to, would that be that the Culture City and the Jazz and Vivint Smart Home Arena have partnered to make all events at Vivint Smart Home Arena sensory inclusive? That, that might be it. Is that public? Yes. I'm looking at a press release right now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going <laughs> to... I didn't want to ruin... Uh, I didn't know when it was coming out. Um, yeah, we, we obviously, like I said, is on, are on the board and our goal is um, is to make every NBA venue, obviously being an NBA player, is to make every NBA arena um, sensory inclusive. So, like I said, not every every stadium has a room because um, some of these stadiums have been around forever and the rooms are all taken, but um, we're lucky we've got one at the, the Jazz facility at Vivint Smart Home and, yeah, now now it's obviously all the staff have also been trained um, just just to help out. I, I, Garrett Gardunia, who's our head of um, PR, as you guys know, sent me through his certificate the other day of, of him doing it. So, so everyone's getting on board and doing it, and Culture City is unbelievable uh, what they do. So um, I'm also going to be on the NBA Instagram live today at about 1 o'clock talking about it again. Um with, with one of the directors of, of Culture City. So it's an exciting time. We want to be the first sport to have every every arena inclusive, and um, we're well on the way to doing that. Oh, before you go, give my love to Renai and the kids, okay? <laughs> oh, my golly, gosh. <laughs> I can hear him upstairs. I can hear him upstairs now. Dad is actually doing therapy, right? He's doing in home therapy while this... Um, stuff's going on so it's his last couple of days and then um, yeah everything's basically shut down after that so they are I'll make sure I pass it on 
<laughs> Joe, as always, we appreciate it, and uh, good luck with all your work in the community. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. There's Joe Ingles. When we come back, what is trending? The headlines are coming up next.